Hello, Real Life family and friends. Pastor Tim with you today as we continue our series on living by faith. And so the Bible talks about living by faith, Romans 1.17, that the righteous will live by faith. Uh, and so the op- opposite of that is to live by sight. So we, we know that we are to not live by what we just see uh, in the natural, but we are to live by faith, which is seen uh, in the supernatural, right? Seen with our spiritual eyes, not just our natural eyes. Seeing what is true in the heavenly realms, in the eternal realm, that will eventually overcome the temporary realm. Because all things physical came from spiritual, and, uh, and we are a spirit. And so all the truths that God has for us, uh, Jesus said to pray, God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven in the spiritual realm. And so we are... Uh, pulling by faith the truths out of the spiritual realm into our physical realm. And so we are learning to live by faith. And last week I talked about how faith sees. We see beyond the circumstances, beyond the temporary. We are not seen with our natural eyes, but we are seen with our spiritual eyes. We are seeing the truths and, and the true uh, authority and power that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, and we're accessing those promises. So that's a part of faith. And today, I want to talk about how faith speaks. Faith doesn't just see, but faith speaks. And one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 1.20, and it tells us what faith says. And faith says, Amen. <laughs> so today, I want to encourage you to say Amen. To say Amen. And it says this, 2 Corinthians 1.20, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So this is a, 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 an amazing uh, uh, verse to me because it's so powerful when you break it down and think about it, but it's so simple. So Paul is writing this and he says, listen, All the promises of God, all the promises of God right here have been made available to you and to me. That's what he means by he's saying God says yes, right? They are yes in Christ. God has already said, yes, all of these things are for you. Christ has purchased your redemption, your forgiveness, your healing, your provision, uh, your eternal life. All these promises are yes in Christ. But then there's a second part to this verse, which says, and so through Christ, through him in us, it says the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In other words, we have to agree and come to a thing called faith, right? We have to come to an agreement of faith with what God says is true. And that's what we were talking about last week in terms of seeing. We're seeing beyond the temporary circumstances, into the spiritual truths that God has for each and every one of us. And so faith not just sees it, but faith speaks it, and it says, amen, I agree. And there's power in that because it changes our reality when faith is present. So let's talk about that today. Paul states that there's a process, a process for every believer to gaining what Christ has already gained for us. He says it in Philippians 3:12, not that I have already obtained all this, not that I've already obtained all the promises of God, right? Or have already arrived at my goal. I'm not done yet. 
But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So there's this idea that there are things left unreceived from Christ in our lives. There's a process of us grabbing a hold of these promises of God for our lives. It's a process. They're yes in God, in Christ, but we need to keep saying amen. We got to find these promises and apply them to our lives until faith arises. That's what we're talking about. So I call this process saying amen. (laughs) That's what I call the process. There's a process of understanding what God's word is, um, bringing it into our hearts until something called faith arises and we say amen. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Now in the King James Version, it says, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I want to read one more translation. This is the uh, Amplified Version. It says, so faith comes by hearing what is told and what is heard comes by the preaching of the message that came from the lips of Christ, the Messiah himself. So there's a process of hearing the word of God and something something happening in the midst of that called faith. And when this thing called faith happens, you have come to a deep and convictional belief uh, of that truth. And a truth has been woven into the fabric of your heart and become a part of you And as a result, faith in your heart starts to come out of your mouth with words and you say amen. (laughs) That's that's what me trying to uh, describe this process is. (laughs) So wherever there is faith, it is speaking. Faith speaks. Faith talks. It comes out of the heart and out of the mouth and it proclaims and and it speaks, speaks words. Um, let me put it another way. Actually, Jesus says, whatever you is coming out of your mouth actually is coming from your, your heart. It can be faith or it can be faith in quotes in your opinion or in, in, or in uh, the world's ways or in your ego or in some hurt or some position that you're taking. Some belief of what you uh, have in your heart will come out of your mouth. But we want faith or belief in God and God's promises coming out of our mouth. So in Luke 6, 45, Jesus says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And then he says this. It's a pretty profound statement. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So we want our hearts filled with God's truths because there's power in our words, which I'll talk about next week. So the mouth is speaking out of the overflow of what's in our hearts. And that's where faith comes from. Faith comes from what's in our hearts. Faith is an overflow of of what is in your heart. So a reflection question to think about. It's just something to think about. What is coming out of your mouth? Um, Think about that question. What is coming out of your mouth? Because whatever's coming out of your mouth, the words that you are speaking, uh, that's going to tell you what's in your heart. There's a lot of anger coming out of your mouth. You know, a lot of depression, a lot of negativity, 
um, then that means your heart is filled with some negative things, right? Um, and so we want, to, we want to find out what are we saying because that's an indication of what's on the inside. That's all I'm saying. Now, I want to talk about the word amen. Amen is um, a English word that ha has... Uh, that stole it from Hebrew because it really is the, a Hebrew word. In Hebrew, it is it, that is what it is. We, we would I would pronounce it Amen, Amen, but that is a Hebrew word. So it's actually a Hebrew word just kind of shoved into the English language, and because they just decided that's good enough, right? <laughs> but what it means, it comes from a root word of Emuna, which means faith or belief or trust. So we're talking about faith, belief, or trust. Amen comes from that root idea. And the word can mean these things. It can mean truly. It can mean surely. It can mean let it be. It can mean yes. And the way that I like to think of it is it can mean I believe and I agree. May it come to pass. Sometimes it was used in oaths like, like you would say amen as if someone would say, here's the decree or something like that. And a person would say, amen, which means I agree. Let it be. I believe it. Yes. May it happen. May it be so. So when I think of amen in terms of this scripture, what we're talking about, all the promises of God are yes in Christ Jesus. And through him, we say, amen. We say, I believe and I agree. Let it be. <laughs> I believe. I agree. Let it be. And that's what amen means. There's something on the inside of us that comes to that place of deep conviction. And that's faith that arises and it comes out of our mouth. And we're like, yes, I believe it. I agree. It's not actually just the word saying amen. It is the fact that you come to that place where there's an amen on the inside of you, right? And then that starts coming out of your mouth in different ways. You, you'll start saying that truth. You'll start believing and you'll, your words will start matching up with that promise for your life. And you'll say, oh, I am loved. Oh, I am free. God's got me. God's taken care of it. He's my leader. He's my provider. He's, he's going to give me everything I need for life and for godliness. And you start saying the words and you start speaking that profession. That's faith talking. That's an amen coming out of your mouth. And so this is a process, the process of getting an amen. What does that process look like? I'm a real practical person. I'm like, I need a system. I need to think this thing through. How do I actually get an amen to come out of my spirit? What does that look like? And I think there's a great uh, parable that helps us learn this that Jesus taught us. And the process basically to say right up front is number one, it's hearing, hearing the word of God. We need all faith is based on God's word, right? We just read that in Romans 10, 17. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. And so we need to hear it. Now, secondly, there's a way to hear it, but we'll talk about that in a minute. The second thing we need to do is we need to meditate on it. We need to sink it in. It needs to sink into us. We need to think about it, chew on it, mull it over. Okay. The third thing is we need to protect it and guard it as it grows. And then finally, we need to speak in agreement with it, with our own words by saying that amen. That will happen automatically when all these other things take place. So let's look at this parable. It's found in Matthew chapter 13. It's called the parable of the sower. Let me read it for you. Okay, starting in verse 18. 
Oh, you know, let me back it up. I'm going to read the parable first, then we'll get into verse 18, which interprets it. So verse 3, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear. Later, Jesus explains this parable. Jesus didn't always explain all of his parables, but this one he did. He actually broke it down for us and taught it to us. So I want to read to you verses 18 and following. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out. In Mark chapter 4, uh, when this parable is, is recorded, it adds a third one, and that is um, desires for other things. So you have worry, you have wealth, and you have wishes you know, that choke out the word. And it says, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil, the man who hears the word and understands it, he produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So let's look at these four different types of soil. And just to be clear, the seed that Jesus is talking about is the word of God. So the word of God is the seed and the seed is being planted and it lands on different types of soil. Now the soil in the parable is our hearts. It's our hearts. The seed can land on a heart that's hard like a path or filled with rocks and very shallow or with thorns and, uh, and weeds or good soil. Soil that's, well, just the opposite of those other ones. Tilled, it's churned up, it's deep. Uh, and it's without weeds, without thorns, right? So let's look at this together and go through each of these. Number one, the path. Jesus says that the path, when I think about it, um, it's the path, the soil on the path is not churned up. It's hard. It's pressed down. I think of trails and things that are just, the ground is hard, the land is hard, uh, the dirt is hard, and it's pressed down and compacted really tight. And the seed doesn't sink into the soil. It just stays on the top. There's no place for the seed to really go in. And we can have a hard heart. We can have a heart that's just not that interested, not that attentive, um, not open. It can be like a hard path. And the seed just lands on the top. And Jesus says, immediately, the devil just comes, the birds come, and eat that seed right up. It's gone. It's exposed. There's no, it's not planted. It doesn't connect. It doesn't germinate. Um, it's just gone. The devil takes the seed away. And, and that is because we don't understand. So that's what he says. And so to understand the Word of God, it's not about just hearing it. It's hearing it with a humble heart, 
which means your heart is open, not hard, and with a hungry heart that you're wanting to hear from God. So we can have people that just say even right now listening to this message or in a church service, and they can just have a heart. They're casual uh, listeners. They're not really leaning in. They're not really hungry. Maybe their heart is just hard. They're not that interested. And whatever said could be very powerful, but it's going to get just kind of scooped right away from them if they're hard if their heart is hard, and if your heart is hard, it won't have any impact on you at all. It could be the best preaching in the world, the best verse in the Bible, you know, the most anointed message uh, that, that, that can be spoken or preached. But if the, a heart is hard, it will just get taken right away. So to get started, to getting an amen, it starts with the Word of God being received into our hearts. And, and our hearts need to be soft, not hard. They need to be humble, not proud, and ready to receive what God is saying. So check your heart every time and say, God, give me a hungry, humble heart. I want to hear. I want to understand what you're saying to me today. Number two is rocky places. Now, the rocky places, Jesus says, well, the seed was received with joy, but quickly withered because there was no depth to the soil. No depth. And, um, and when persecution or trouble came, quickly that, that seedling that started to sprout is just, is just uh, wiped out. It withers. It doesn't produce any fruit. Now, God's Word wants to be producing fruit in your life. God wants you to be growing. He wants you to be transformed. He wants your life to be fruitful. But there's a process, right? So the first process is listening and receiving with a humble and hungry heart. Now the rocky places, we need to do something once we've heard it. Instead of just having a shallow experience, we need to get that seed to go deep. The soil of our heart, if it's shallow, it won't last. But if we deepen our soil, if we get that seed deeper into our heart, then that seed will be protected against persecution and, and it won't be withered away. How do you do that? Well, we need to get the seed to go deeper into our hearts through contemplating on the message, through meditating on the word. Whatever is spoken, whatever we hear, we need to take it seriously. We need to mull it over. We need to think about it, chew on it, if you will. And that's what meditating really is. Uh, that's what that means. When you go into the root meaning of that word, it really is the same thing that a cow does when he's chewing the cud. He's chewing, you know his uh, nutrients and, and he swallows it and he actually regurgitates it back up and he's got several stomachs and he does this over and over again to get all the nutrients out of it. So meditation is to do that mentally with the Word of God, is to take a verse, take a principle, take a message like this one and think about it and meditate on it and chew on it and look at it in, in your own life and you take time to really contemplate it until it sinks in deeper to study it. What I do is I study the Word of God and I think about it. And I'm just, while I'm in the shower, while I'm walking around, while I'm mowing the lawn, I'm thinking about these things. And God shows me more and more things about it. And it gets deep into my heart. It, it doesn't go away quickly. It's not shallow. It gets deeper. And so the second way of getting that amen, that process, is requiring the Word of God to go deep into our hearts. So when, when we're, let's say we're listening to this message or we're listening to a message in church, it's like we're leaning forward, we're taking notes, we're thinking about it. And after the service, during the week, 
We're revisiting the scriptures. We're thinking about these things. We're asking ourselves reflection questions. We're studying more if God is pointing, us, uh, pointing our attention towards something specific. The third one is thorns. And this one is, uh, this one is the third type of soil that Jesus warns us of is if we have thorns in our heart. What does that mean? See, the, the, the word is trying to grow and it's trying to produce a fruitfulness in our lives. It's a different attitude, a different thought, a different way of living, a transformation. And that thing needs to be protected until it comes to full maturity before we get the fruit of it. But there's other things that can come in and compete against that seed. And they are thorns or weeds from this world. And when you think about that, weeds and thorns, what they are doing when they grow alongside of a crop or a garden is they are taking the nutrients from the soil away from the plant that you want to grow. And if there's enough weeds, enough thorns, that plant's growth will be stunted. And sometimes, and what Jesus is saying, is it will not bear fruit. It will take all the nutrients out of the soil. It will steal it away and you won't get the fruit. And what are thorns? In Jesus's example, he gives three things, two in Matthew, three things in Mark. And he says it this way. He says, the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life. So worry and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out. And as I mentioned before, and Mark adds, and the desire, desires for other things or wishes or greed or selfishness in this world gets us distracted. And so now we have these competing issues in our heart. In our heart, we can have worry that begins to grow, anxiety, and it consumes our emotional energy. It distracts us from what God's tried to say and do. And worry literally sucks the life right out of you. Jesus has a lot to say about worry. In fact, worry is, the, is negative meditation. It's the opposite of what God wants you to do with his word. He wants you to meditate on his word. But worry is meditating on the problems. It's the opposite. So it's actually taking away from what God wants for you to have, and it's stealing those nutrients from your heart. Your heart is being stolen by worry. So worry is focusing on the negative instead of God's word, and, it's, and, uh, and, and the Bible says the opposite. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or, take, uh, or sit in the company of uh, mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night, who thinks about the word of God day and night. This is what God wants you to do. He says, that person who does that will be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. How do you get fruit? By meditating on God's word, not meditating on the problems, which is called worry. Worry will steal your fruit. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Meditate on these things, which none of those things have anything to do with worry or anxiety or problems. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, verse 25 and verses 33 to 34. 
do not worry about your life. (laughs) He says it so bluntly. But instead, seek first his kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things that you're worried about will be given to you as well. What you will eat, what you will wear, you know, your life, all the things that you're worried about. Don't worry about that. Put God first and God will provide for you. He says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough challenge or trouble of its own. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So we aren't to carry any anxiety or any worry or any fret. Psalm 55, 22 says the same thing. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Will guard your heart from that worry. And that's what Jesus is saying. You need to guard your heart, guard the word that's coming to you from worry and from the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things. So let's talk about the, the deceitfulness of wealth. Deceit. Notice that word deceit. Money is a liar. It tries to take God's place. Now, money is fine. You need money. I need money to trans- make transactions, to live life and all that. That's fine. It's a tool, but it's not meant to be a God. You are not meant to love money or worship money. And money tries to take God's place. How does it do that, you say? Well, because it competes with these types of things. It says to us, I will make you safe. We literally at times think if I just had more money, then I would have security. I would have peace. I would have everything that I need, right? Money says, I'll make you happy. And we think, well, if I just had more money, I could do this, I could do that. I'd be so happy if I had a bigger house and a better car and I didn't have all these bills. I'd be so happy. Right? And so money says, I will make you happy. I will make you secure. And it also says, I'll make you important. Because a lot of people think that if I had more money, I'd have more power, I'd be more important. I, I would feel good about, look at me, look at the clothes I wear, look at the job that I have, look at all the titles that I, I on my nameplate or whatever, or behind my name. I'm important. And a lot of people look to money like that. Say, if I get more money, I'll feel more important because then I can show everybody how much money I have, or something like that. So money is always trying to take God's position in your life, getting you to worship money. That's why Jesus says it's deceiving, the deceitfulness of wealth. We think it will produce these things for us or give us these things, but it won't. It's a liar. And uh, years ago, I wrote this comment down. I want to read for you in one of my journals. And I said, um, oh, I'll get to that in a second. I, want to, I haven't finished this thought yet. And, and so money says, if you serve me, I'll give you security, happiness, and importance. But God is the one who gives us eternal life. That's security. God is the one uh, who loves us unconditionally and, and has everything good for us. That, that's where our true joy and happiness comes from. And God is the one who places the ultimate value on each and every one of us. We're a child of God. He gave his life for us. We're his treasured possession. We can't have any more value. Money doesn't compete with that. Money can't compete with God. And so Jesus says this in Luke 12, 15. Watch out. Watch out 
Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Life is not found in money or things. It's found in God. Ecclesiastes 5.10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. Now, 1 Timothy 6.10, Paul says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. And so money is trying to pull you away from God. Now, it's not just money. It's the love of money, which means worship, right? When you worship money, when you pursue money with your heart, that's what we're talking about. Jesus says there's some competition going on for the nutrients of your heart. And one of them is worry about what's going on in my life, what's going on in this world. And the other one he's mentioning here in Matthew is the deceitfulness of wealth, And so we have to guard against this. That's why Jesus says, guard against this. Matthew 6, 24, he says, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't worship both, right? There's only room for one in your heart. And Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the third one, I just want to mention briefly here that I I mentioned before, um, that, I, that is mentioned in Mark is these desires for other things. And this is where I wrote my journal years ago. Desires or wishes. Greed is a lust in every heart that needs to be tamed or it takes over. Selfishness and greed are two appetites never satisfied, never pleased, never enough. The law of diminishing returns feeds the cyclical need for more. But Jesus promises that he will quench our thirst if we surrender to him. So Jesus warns us with this parable that, listen, for you to get faith in the fruitfulness of of his word, first of all, we need to have a humble and hungry heart to hear, not a hard path, a hard heart. Secondly, with the rocky soil, we need to make sure that it goes deep by meditating on that truth and mulling it over and chewing on it and studying it and letting that that get woven into the fabric of our heart, deep into the soil, so it can begin to grow. Thirdly, we need to protect our hearts against worry, against money, against the desires for other things. And let our heart be continually surrendered to God so that that truth can continue to grow. And if we do those things, then we have good soil and we will see a great fruitfulness to the word that was planted in our heart. A soft heart, meditating, repeating the word of God until it gets deep in our hearts and gardening our heart and protecting it from worry and wealth. Pulling out those little weeds that pop up before they get any bigger and start taking over our hearts. And when we do that, something happens called faith. That's the process of hearing the word, meditating on it, protecting it from, from worries, from the devil's words, you know, from the pressures, and protecting that seed. Keep believing in it, keep meditating on it, and it will produce a fruit to the glory of God. And we will be saying, Amen. We will see those changes happen. So I just want to encourage you this week to get into the Bible, get into the Word of God, or take these notes that you have 
and begin to meditate on this story. Read this story for yourself. Let God speak to you. Think about what stood out to you and begin to drill down deeper and get it deep in your heart and keep meditating on that until you get an inner deep conviction and an amen rises up with inside of you. And this word becomes who you are, not just something that you've heard, but it becomes you. Then you have something called faith. And then it starts coming out of your mouth and you start speaking God's truths over your life and you begin to see that fruitfulness all over. That's the process. I hope this is a blessing to you. I hope you keep speaking God's truth. I hope somebody says, amen. When you see the word of God, it's not just a religious routine. It's not just, hey, amen, yeah, and then, then you got it. No, no, no. You got to listen with a hungry heart. You need to get it deep inside of you, and you need to protect it from these worries and the wealth and the, the desires of this world and let God's word grow up in you and say amen. And so my final uh, scripture for you is 2 Corinthians 4.13. It is written, I believed... Something happened. That whole thing that we just talked about, all of that is captured in those two words. I believed, therefore I have spoken. Once you believe, once you go through that process, then it starts coming out of your mouth. I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have that same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. So be a believer and let your faith come out of your mouth and say amen. Well, amen. I agree. I believe. I receive. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven in our lives. Lord, I pray for my brother, my sister today. Lord, that you would just encourage them. Let your word um, speak to them just so strongly today. And may your spirit water that word. May you help them to remember this in the days ahead so they can protect the word that you are sowing in their lives. They can receive it with a humble, hungry heart. They can meditate and learn and grow through your spirit, getting that word and that seed deep into their hearts until it becomes a part of who they are. And as that grows, Lord, and they protect it from the worries of this life, from the deceitfulness of wealth, and from just the, the, the lusts and the greed of our, of our desires, Lord, as we protect that seed from those things, I pray a blessing on my brother and my sister that your word will go forth and produce the fruit that you meant for it to produce in their life, causing them to be more like you, filled with more of you, and overflowing with more of you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Will the Lord bless you and keep you? The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In his name, amen, amen.